Can't relate to cancel culture, hookup culture, or victim culture? (laughs) Well, neither could we. We created this platform for those other girls. Girls like us who want to give a different perspective from a Christian and conservative worldview. We talk about life, work, relationships, and everything in between. Let's be those other girls that don't just talk about culture, but change culture and bring back traditional values. The views expressed on this podcast are our own and do not reflect our employers. Enjoy! Hello, everyone. You're listening to Those Other Girls with Mallory and Friends. I'm Mallory, and we are changing culture and bringing back traditional values. So today I have a very special guest. I have one of my friends from grad school. We met in Virginia, I guess, two years ago. How did we meet? Yeah, we met at... almost three years ago now. Oh, yeah, I guess it will be three years ago, 2018. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay, well, we met then. And she actually, just really quick, she actually is a big reason how I got involved in politics in general. I've always, like, cared and liked it, but I didn't really know about any of this, like, clubs or YR or anything like that. But Jesse heard me say that I wasn't a liberal, and she started dragging me places, and here we are today. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you got the full recruitment pitch, which I joke that I give usually within, like, 10 minutes of meeting someone if I talk to them like usually I wind up giving them some sort of recruitment pitch about coming to a Republican event yep because they're great yeah and here we are so (laughs) I have Jesse on today because we are going to recap really quick Virginia as everyone knows um Republicans won big in Virginia on a week ago so when was that November second, November second. Yeah, you probably had the date etched in your mind. I do, yeah. <laughs> and um, so yeah, so we are just going to recap that. And I really wanted. So she was on the ground. She works really, really hard. She is. What are your, all of your titles? Really quick. Uh, so only one right now. Okay. Um, I am the chair of the Virginia Young Republicans. Um, so as in that role, I serve on our party's central committee. And uh, I also serve on the Young Republican National Federation um, committee. So um, I represent Virginia both to our state party and also to the National Young Republicans organization. Um, and then I'm also Jack Blakely's wife. Uh, he serves on state <laughs> central too. Um, and Aww. I think those are my two titles right now, but since we're bringing back traditional values, there you go. Yes. Love it. Um, and they are like a powerhouse couple. Um, we can talk about that another day. And for those listening in North Carolina, she is equivalent to Catherine. Yes. And yes, I work Catherine, with Catherine. Yes. And Catherine, for those of you listening, a reference to Catherine, she spoke at our summit. She was, she's in North Carolina, Jesse um correct so yeah yeah so but she wears pantsuits way better than I do and I'm kind of jealous that's true and her hair is every single time so Catherine if yes. you're listening we love your style um, um okay so let's talk really quick about going into this election what was the when you guys were door knocking and things like that what was your strategy So our strategy 
always is to just connect with voters wherever they're at, try to figure out what issues um, they really care about, what issues that they vote on, um, and then try to basically sell them on our candidate based on what it is that they care about or you know are experiencing in their community. Uh, but this year, I will say on the doors, completely different than any other cycle that I've knocked, you know, volunteered for, been a part of before. Um, this year, we had people, I, I basically had like a campaign swag section in my car for like the last three months of the campaign. Because when we would be out knocking, you know, I would wear a Yunkin shirt or a hat or something like that. And I would have like random people on the street, just like track me down and be like, are you with the campaign? Do you have extra t-shirts? Do you have signs? So I had to carry this stuff around in my car. um, And just like an incredible response when we knocked on doors, a lot of people, usually you either get the like, you know, nasty go away or the like, yes, we're voting Republican, whatever. And then, you know, that's, that's kind of the extent of it. But we had a lot of people who like recognized Glenn from rallies or from you know, stopping at their business or from his ads wow. on TV or on social media who were like, oh yeah, he's the guy, he's the basketball player, right? Like, oh, we really like him. So that was really cool and different. Uh, and then of course, I, I've never been hunted down in the streets for campaign swag before. <laughs> um, and, and just like, these were not Republican areas. So our YRs, when we go out and deploy, um, knock doors and make phone calls and do that kind of stuff, we try to do it in the most competitive and impactful regions in Virginia that we can. So for most of these, we were working with House of Delegates candidates um, and then also the top of ticket in districts where Republicans had either only won by a very small margin in 2019 or uh, districts that were pickup opportunities for us this year. So like Jason Ballard um, out in Southwest Virginia, now delegate-elect, that's a seat that flipped from blue to red this year. Um, Otto Waxman in 75, which is kind of Southside Virginia, close to the North Carolina border. That one also Democrat seat, been a Democrat seat since the 1800s. We flipped it this wow. year. So these are the kind wow. of districts that we're in when we're volunteering. And the response that we got was just insanely positive. That's so good. I mean, I will say as someone who was following it, it was really encouraging to see. And I mean, also too, I don't live in Virginia anymore, and I, so I don't vote in Virginia anymore. But I like the night of. I was kept refreshing to see like what was happening. I even was looking at New Jersey too, which was crazy. Yeah, I mean, very I close, and, and some really surprising pickups there too. Yeah, I would have never. You know, I, I did my time in New Jersey for a couple years, y'all, and that's yeah, that's not a red state. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's really encouraging too. What do you think? change this year that had people be so enthusiastic about um Glenn so I think it was a mix of factors but first and foremost Glenn is an incredibly like one in a million candidate sometimes you get candidates that are kind of once in a lifetime opportunities and uh, just extremely um unique people in in politics and Glenn is one of those people so if you like watch his ads and watch you know the the curated images of how he interacts with people um that's not really curated it's not something that's like oh this is a good photo op we're gonna do it like Glenn is an incredibly genuine person and an incredibly like honest and real person so 
if you talk to him and like when I had talked to him or met him before anybody knew who he was on the national stage, <laughs> he's the same as when I talked to him at the victory party on election night. Same person, doesn't matter the crowd size. Um, you know, we, we kind of joke around that like usually staff is kind of like has to play the bad guy, but the candidate actually wants to leave. So they have to like kind of give them excuse to stop talking to people and leave. Glenn's staff had to like re- convince the people he was talking to that he needed to leave because <laughs> he would stay after these rallies and like totally he would blow up his schedule if, if his staff let him because he would stay after these rallies and talk to and take a photo with and shake hands with and hear from every single person who got in line who wanted to, um, which is incredible. And then like remember them weeks later. Um, so just really, really exceptional candidate and excited to see him as our governor. But I think that more than anything else, just Glenn being Glenn and being a genuine, real, awesome person is more a factor of the victory than anything else that we could have done. Um, But along with that, I think that there is uh, one, a lot of frustration um, with the way that Democrats uh, are currently running the country. Um, Joe Biden's approval ratings, inflation, uh, mandates, stuff like that. Like these are things that are front and center in people's minds and they're they're thinking about. Uh, And we've had back-to-back Democrat governors. Um, and in this past two years, we had Democrat control in both ha- both chambers of the legislature in Virginia and also, um, you know, all the top three offices. So um, it is, if people are dissatisfied with Democrats nationally, that does re- reflect to a degree on the fact that like, we've had, we've seen what Democrat control in Virginia looks like. Everybody knows what it looks like. Um, so being able to kind of, um, contrast what Glenn's vision was um, along with what very clear evidence of what the Democrats will do with the governorship um, is, I think, was was very helpful. And then also, um, this is the first year that we've had candidates run in all 100 districts uh, for the legislature in Virginia. So in 2019, oh, we left good. about 30 percent of our House and Senate seats uncontested. So we didn't have Republicans in like 30% of these, these elections last year, or not last year, 2019. Um, This year we recruited, I was part of this. There's a bunch of other people who were part of this, um, different grassroots GOP leaders, a group called the Virginia project. Um, Our candidate who ran for Senate last year, Daniel Gade um, has a, has a PAC that was helping with this. So quite a few people um, just focused on recruiting someone for every single district. This is something that neither party has had in the time that it's been tracked. So that was a pretty big difference from previous cycles. And I, I think that we can see, especially with the rural turnout numbers that we had in Virginia, that that did make an impact for sure, because we had ground game everywhere. Wow. Okay. So let's talk really quick about having someone in every seat. I know that, yeah. um, and I really want to talk about this because... I don't want to, you know, discuss this particular incident, but I, I this is something that everybody can um, know what I'm referencing with the Kim Klasik, um, de- not debacle, I guess her and Candace's beef. One of the things people yeah. were saying, um, you know what I'm talking about? They're 
fighting. Yeah, the, the Instagram live war that went back and forth for a yes, little bit. Yes, 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 yes. So one of the things that, you know, reading comments and in some Facebook groups whenever I was discussing it, they were like, well, I mean, why was she, you know, what? when I think about it, why was she running anyway? Like, there was no way she could win. Um, and what I've learned in some of the work that I've done um, for the party in my county is, and, you know, I live in Charlotte. So that is a heavy blue. I don't know the numbers, but I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. It was like um, plus thirty or something. That's exaggerating, but that's how it would probably feels. Yeah, I mean, a lot of our a lot of our cities that are similar demographic to Charlotte are plus twenty to plus thirty demographic. Yeah, so, so I'm pretty sure Charlotte's. That's not an unreasonable like- number. <laughs> I'm not sure where Charlotte is. Um, and people. And from what I've learned is even if it is something like that, you have to run a candidate, no matter what, you have to run a candidate. And um, what two of the reasons um, they told, uh, well, someone told me, because when I was asking about it, they said, one is to get money, because uh, the other candidate, since they're running against them, they're gonna have to spend more money. So their money is gonna have to go to their campaign instead of going to another campaign for someone else. And the other reason they said is um, because you know, if you make that connection with Bob is running and you know what, I don't really like to go out there and vote. Let me vote for Bob. I guess while I'm here, I'll vote for so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. I'll just vote Republican down the ticket. Yeah. So like, that's, those are the reasons, but can you give me, if you agree, like, what are your thoughts on that? Or yeah, other so reasons you have to? Yeah, so I think there's there's a little bit of a difference when we talk about these races in which races we prioritize for investment and which races we use as a defense mechanism against um, the Democrats. So um, District 75, Otto Waxman, is a great example of this. He ran twice in a row. He flipped it this time. He lost last time. Um, but wow. previously, we hadn't had a challenger in that district for a long time. Um, Kim Taylor, who flipped, uh, I think it's 63, I might be wrong, but she flipped another another district in a very heavily Democrat favored area. So again, that, that local GOP was defunct until 2019. They got back and they, there's a group of people who restarted that GOP. They ran kind of an October surprise campaign in 2019. They overperformed what they expected. They came back this year and they won that district. So both of those districts are a case where Traditionally, if we just looked at the numbers from previous cycles before these guys started running, when we weren't fielding candidates, we did not have good numbers in those districts. It's not somewhere people would have said, hey, this is a pickup opportunity here. This is really close. Um, But we put a candidate on the ballot in those races. We found out that actually we might have more opportunity here than we thought. Um, In 2019, Otto lost uh, the race in the 75th by about 500 votes. So we realized, hey, this is pretty close. And, and that cycle, he didn't have a huge network. He was kind of starting from square one. He was a, a local pharmacist in the community. So he did have some name recognition, but um, you know, he, didn't, he hadn't done this before. He wasn't a candidate before. He had never served in elected office. Um, so he didn't really have that kind of infrastructure that a lot of people have that have you know, done this before. Um, but basically in those two cases, uh, you know, those candidates proved there's a real opportunity here and we deserve some investment. And because of that, their races were much more, still not, you know, heavily prioritized by, you know, the powers that be to a certain extent, but they got more focus, more donors, more attention because people said, you know what, they did a really great job last time. 
we think that they're, you know, within swinging distance of this district. And so they basically proved their case and, and were able to flip those districts this time uh, with, with quite a bit more buy-in um, because they had, you know, proved it out. But the only way we're going to know where those opportunities are that we're missing is if we have somebody step up and run. Um, and so that is a really important thing to take away from this is that there may be districts or there may be even city council seats or, you know, school board wards or whatever it may be where we haven't run a candidate in 15 years. We don't really know what the numbers are if we have somebody there. Um, so it's very important, one, that we run somebody there to figure it out, but two, that we look at how they're able to prove out that case, you know, what their margins look like, whether or not they overperform or underperform or, you know, where we're at. So we get some sort of a kind of starting benchmark. And then from there, we can look at, you know, where we can invest flip seats. Um, but other than that, like you said, it's, it's that person to person connection. It gets people out to vote. Um, a lot of the times, you know, even in places like Northern Virginia, we saw a swing, which is heavily, heavily blue for people who are not in Virginia right outside DC, uh, traditionally it's thought of kind of as their stronghold. We had more increased Republican voter turnout than the Democrats did this time. And I will say that, that I think that that's because there are Republicans who have been in that region previously who did not feel like they had anybody really to vote for that they were connected with um, because there wasn't somebody actively campaigning for their vote there. And so, you know, may have stayed home, especially in state years previously. So, you know, we had full coverage in Northern Virginia. We had candidates running in every district, which is a lot of districts um, because of the population. Um, and we saw higher turnout. Now, I can't say that's 100% what the breakdown is, but <laughs> I, I definitely think it's a contributing factor there. Um, so that, that's important. And then, you know, like you said, also it's a defensive play. So we had candidates who, who didn't win this year, but they got outspent, you know, 10 to one, they maybe raised 10 or $20,000 in a cycle, which is not a ton for house races here. Um, but they were able to make their opponents spend a couple hundred thousand dollars. Right. And that is um, very, very helpful, uh, not only to our top of ticket, but also to other districts, because previously we've seen Democrats in very safe seats who didn't have opponents fundraise and take their money and spend it in competitive districts and flip Republican seats to Democrat. So when we're keeping those people and their money in their district and their focus in their district, they're not traveling around to other places in Virginia, spending their money and their time campaigning to get Democrats into Republican held seats. Um, so it kind of all blends together, but, but all of those things are, are really important uh, when we're talking about whether or not to run candidates. And, you know, there's some candidates who are going to run and we really appreciate them for running and they might not win the first time, but you know, if they, if they kind of build some trust with their community and build some, some recognition, it may be something where you run two, three times and, you know, on the second or third time we were able to flip it. That's, I think what she said is very important because I think that people really do not understand if, if you're not really involved I feel like you don't understand how important like how important and how much of a numbers game this all kind of is it's not just yep. 
because I think we all, for the most part, everybody pays attention to the presidential election. And I'm not saying the presidential election isn't important. We see the consequences of that. Um, but what I'm saying is we have to also pay attention to our local elections. We have to pay attention to the numbers. Um, and earlier, in, um, you said that someone uh, only lost by 500 votes. That's, yeah. I mean... That yeah, I mean, is we had really close. This year, same thing. Uh, either won or lost by less than three hundred votes. There's a lot of these races that are incredibly close. In Virginia, in 2017, we actually had a race that came down. Uh, it was very close. They did a recount, and on the recount, it wind up wound up being a dead tie. They actually had drawn names out of a fishbowl, and that's how it was decided. So wow. these elections at the state house level can be incredibly, incredibly close. You know, to the extent that really, when we say every vote matters, every vote absolutely matters. Um, yeah. And a lot of these districts are probably a, a dozen districts this year that are under 500 vote difference. That's crazy. I know in North Carolina, I was saying to you earlier in North Carolina, and I've said this on the podcast before, but I'm gonna keep saying it because I want people to realize how important their votes are. Our Supreme Court justice, he only won by 401 votes. 400 yeah. and... Um, someone broke it down. It was like two or three people per county in North Carolina. That's how much he won by or something like that. And it's, I mean, when we, when we're talking about this, you can really see the importance of knowing who you're voting for. So when you get, so you actually vote, so you actually go out and vote. Um, and then when you get there, knowing who you're voting for my next question or I guess like discussion point I want to talk about is the upcoming election in 2022. Almost every state, um, so this isn't actually a North Carolina central podcast, but we talk a lot about North Carolina, um, but almost every, every state has some sort of midterm coming up. Um, North Carolina has a very important Senate race that when we will do an episode like talking about what a senator is and everything you guys so just a heads up on that but um we can just talk about like the importance of these races like that are coming up and I guess the other thing is like what can our listeners do like what how should they be involved yeah, so I mean, there's a lot of ways to be involved to support candidates that you believe in. Um, and they're, they're, most of them are extremely easy. Um, so obviously, one of the easiest ways is uh, if you have a little bit of extra money to donate. Um, I always encourage people to donate directly to the candidates. It's, uh, you know, you know where the money is going, you generally know how it's getting spent. Um, so, you know, donating to these candidates, even if it's a small amount, like, that's going to be able to pay for a sign or a Facebook ad or whatever. Like it's every amount of that counts and is very helpful. Um, the second thing is um, volunteer if you're able to, and there are lots of different ways to do that. And they're all pretty easy. Uh, campaigns always are looking for volunteers. It's, it's always easy to reach out to the campaigns and say, Hey, I want to help out, you know, put me somewhere, tell me what to do. Um, there's, you know, for people who are able to knock doors that I feel and the data supports is one of the most effective ways. Basically, you usually will get uh, an app on your phone with a list of houses to go to, you'll get some palm cards, 
Um, it's it's very easy to follow. You have you know a survey usually, or you know a couple questions that they they want you to ask. It's usually something along the lines of like, what issues do you care about? Do you have plans to go out and vote? How do you feel about candidate X? So very simple, but having that kind of person-to-person, face-to-face conversation with your neighbors is incredibly helpful and makes a huge impact on who actually does show up and vote. Um, The other thing you can do is uh, called phone banking. So you make phone calls, same thing. You get an app, it it dials the numbers for you automatically. Got a little script, super easy. um, And you just go through and, and talk to people, same kind of thing. Um, that's great. Uh, the other thing that we found, uh, is very helpful is handwritten notes and postcards. So, um, our Lieutenant Governor Winston Sears, who is wonderful, super excited. Well, she's not our Lieutenant Governor yet, but our Lieutenant Governor-elect Winston Sears. Which is really, pause for two seconds, which is really crazy because we have an amazing Lieutenant Governor as well. You do. Yeah. Yeah, it's just interesting. You guys just got one, but we've had one for a year now. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) I know lucky you, but we finally have great lieutenant governor that I'm very excited for. Um, And so we did postcards. They had postcards that were written out with, you know, some info on the candidate. And what we did was we had a list of addresses, filled them out on the postcards and sent them out. So that's super easy. You can get a bunch of friends together, drink some wine or some coffee or whatever you know, chat, have fun and, and write some postcards, uh, you know, and all these things are, are really easy. You can do a lot in not too much time. If you've got, you know, maybe a half hour to an hour a week, you can make a huge dent on the actual electorate. Um, so, so that's, that's a big thing. Um, and then talk to all of your friends. Um, so some people I know don't like to, to talk about politics to people, but um if you have friends that you think are inclined to agree with you on politics, uh, make sure that they know what's going on and make sure that they have a plan to go vote. And if they need it, make sure they have a ride to go vote. Um, those are those are very helpful things because you don't want to be the person who like the day after you lose an election, a couple of your friends hit you up and they're like, oh man, it was really close. I wish I'd gone out to vote. <laughs> oh my goodness. I can't even yeah, imagine. You don't want to be there. You don't want to be there, especially if you have elections that are coming within a couple hundred votes. Um, so yeah, there's, but there's a lot you can do to, to prepare for that. Yeah. And I think also too, a couple of things, just to piggyback off of what you said, um, with the whole friend situation, I like, I mentioned earlier, we are going to have some videos just talking about that. I think this will be a good episode to share with your friends, just to talk to the people who aren't really interested in politics, because, and I understand, you know, you don't have to be crazy like me and Jesse. That's fine. If you're listening, you might not even be crazy like us, but I do think it is important because we are seeing consequences of people who aren't, who don't care, people who aren't as informed, and we're seeing the consequences of electing officials who do not have our best interests, who are just in it for the money, who are have crazy liberal agendas, not to call out liberals, but, um, but you know, that's <laughs> right. I mean, it, the truth is the truth. Um, but yeah, so it's super, super important to have your friends go out and vote and to educate them. And you know, I have a friend, um, I I have two friends actually, who I know just do not care. And I do try to share with them when things are coming up, I am going to be the annoying person and be like, hey, don't forget, we have elections. Let me know if you have any questions. I think also too, when you 
when you do that, it also shows that they can come to you. Because I know sometimes people feel overwhelmed. Um, now, obviously, you know, have integrity. So don't just say, make up stuff to tell them so they vote Republican. But, you know, answer truthfully. And it shows when you are reminding them, when you're being encouraging to them, it also shows that they can come to you. Because some people, like I said, feel overwhelmed and they don't think that they can learn or research or it's just too much. I know that I have a friend that says that. She's like, oh, it's just too much. And yeah, I guess it can be too much if you're not obsessed with it, but you can have the resources. Podcasts like ours um, are good. And we are um, next year when it starts ramping up when the primaries is we have a, our primaries are coming up too in March. Um, we're going to have more resources for you guys, but um, like Jesse said, sharing and talking with them. The other thing I want to say is um, we Vic and I are both preachers. We are both on our the boards of our county. It is so important to get involved. It can, that's also something that can feel overwhelming, but I know looking at our graphics, our, or looking at our analytics, our audience is 23 to 27. They are ecstatic when we show up. Yes, I, I mean, I can walk into a room and everybody, oh my gosh. And like, honestly, some days, if I have a hard day at work, it feels good to, you know, be cheered for just doing the bare minimum. Just showing up. Yeah. Yeah, just showing up. All of a sudden, I'm everybody's best friend. That feels fantastic. Um, so they really could use your help. Uh, I mean, and even simple stuff um, at our, uh, we did like a, a board was it the board it was some event we did and um oh, it, we were doing a voter registration event and you have to down you had to download our new the new system I think it's I've read the app but you had to download the app and um a couple people you know at the thing I was the youngest person there and I was probably the youngest by like 10 15 years maybe even 20 and I'm just walking around helping people figure out where their app store was, <laughs> figure out. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, I okay. did that too. I did that the weekend before election day. I was helping out. Um, Scott Pressler came to Virginia Beach. He had a bunch of volunteers come out who were going to knock doors for some of our really tight races. And uh, and yeah, people were trying to download the app and whatever. And so just just being there to help out with some of that basic stuff really does make a huge difference. Yes, it really does. You are absolutely going to be um, needed and you're going to be used. You will not feel as if you're useless when you go and like work and volunteer. And if you go, um, if you just find your state geo or even your county, even on, I found mine through Instagram. Well, actually, technically, I, well, yeah, whatever. I found it through Instagram. Just you can find it on Facebook. I'm sure they have, they have a website. Just get involved, you guys. This is the 2022 midterms are going to be so important. One thing that I, the Virginia win really got me hyped up, got me really hyped up, especially because like I said, North Carolina, we have our Senate race and I'm, I'm very hyped up about that. I think that this could be, cause I mean, you know, our Senate is the seats that are open can make or break um, us as the um, Republican party. So I'm really hyped up. It got me really excited. My concern after talking to a couple of my friends that are um, involved in the party as well in other states is a lot of us are concerned that we're going to lose our momentum because we're so excited and we have to keep the momentum and we can't, the other, the downside, the positive of the Virginia win is, wow, 
It shows people are fed up. It shows Kamala Harris coming by and cackling doesn't make a difference. <laughs> it shows that um, yeah, we had we had everybody. We had Stacey Abrams, Kamala Harris. We had uh, Dave Matthews, uh, Obama, no, are you Biden, Dave Matthews. Everyone, <laughs> everyone they could pull out. They tried to get Taylor Swift, but we didn't have Taylor Swift here for the Democrats. Oh, that's so crazy! It shows that like that stuff does not matter. What matters is the groundwork. So that means that the Dems are going to be working really hard too. It shows, and a lot of them are going to be running on uh, I'm not Trump, which is silly because he's not even running right now. So that, their yes, message that is going to be I'm not Trump. Most of Terry McAuliffe's campaign this year was Glenn Youngkin is basically Trump and I'm not Trump. <laughs> yeah, and people don't care about that anymore. They want to know what you're going to do. Are you going to help us? No. Okay, so we're going to vote for the guy who's telling us what he can do. And that's what we have to do as Republicans. But my whole point being is like, we cannot lose this momentum, you guys. The Dems are going to work very hard, um, especially in these Senate races and these tight races. I know that North Carolina, we have some judges races coming up too. And um, our judges are super important. We're going to do an episode on judges and like why they're super important. And you know, even your state Supreme Court is very important. Some people don't even know we have a state Supreme Court. So these things are super yeah, important. And 20, yes. And 2022 is, um, this is going to be very, very, very important and we cannot lose momentum. So I guess to wrap it up, Jesse, can you give us some encouragement for 2022? Uh, yes. So I will say, um, one of the coolest things that happened this cycle was how much our candidates focused on Virginia issues and local issues, um, all the way from the top of the ticket down. So, um, if you guys are thinking about your elections, whether it's Senate or whether it's House of Delegates or sorry, you're, you don't have House of Delegates, you have general, your house races. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, if, when you're thinking about these things, um, it's really important not only to pick great candidates that you believe in, but to have the right messages for the right audiences. Um, and one of the things that um, I was really impressed by this year was the amount of coalitions that the Yunkin campaign built. Uh, we have Parents Coalition, Law Enforcement, but, but we also had um, uh, Latinos for Yunkin Coalition, they published in a bunch of different um, specific language newspapers. So there oh. was, you know, there was um, Spanish language newspapers that they published in. There was um, various uh, newspapers for, for different parts of the Asian community in Virginia that they published in. So all of these different things, um, I think, were very helpful because they were reaching groups of people that Republicans traditionally don't go after um, in a lot of cases. Um, and we did see people cross the aisle to vote for Yunkin. So I'll kind of close good. on this because I I, um, I retweeted it a couple of days ago, but there was a, um, a kind of a focus group uh, that one of the universities did uh, a couple of days after the election with um, a group of women who voted for, um, they voted for Biden, they voted Democrat in previous cycles, they voted for Ralph Northam, who is our now outgoing governor in 2017. Um, and it was, a, it was a group, kind of a mixed group of, of people, uh, women who crossed the aisle to vote for Yunkin. And one of the things that they asked about was what made them decide to vote the way that they voted. Um, and so 
a lot of those issues that they were voting on, the top one was uh, the economy. So the top one, Youngkin was talking about getting rid of the, the grocery tax and rolling back the gas tax that we have here in Virginia and, and doing like very, very specific tangible things to reduce people's cost of living. Um, and then the second one was education. So uh, we had a lot of parents groups around, I'm sure a lot of people who have paid attention uh, oh, yeah. to some of the national <laughs> have heard about Loudoun County and, and Fairfax County as well. Um, and those were things that were, they happened organically, but uh, Republicans were able to very effectively respond to those and say, okay, here, we hear your concerns on this and we're listening and we want to help. Um, and so those are things where, you know, we really have to be well positioned with candidates in all these districts that can respond um, with a cohesive message. But um, when we have those opportunities to really hit on local issues and things that are immediately in front of voters. Um, it is something that, that we saw really drove a lot of enthusiasm towards our candidates this year. Uh, and that's something that regardless of what the issue is in your state, um, it can be replicated to other places because you know at the end of the day, voters are not gonna be enthusiastic to get out and vote for someone who's talking about kind of like nebulous big federal issues that they don't understand. Right. People are going to excited to get out and vote for someone who's like, like, you know what, when you go to the grocery store, I want to make your cost, your, you know, your total cost for food for the week less. That's, you know, that's what we're going to do. That's something that people can really like grasp and understand no matter how much you pay attention to national news headlines. If someone's telling you, I want your grocery bill to go down, that makes a difference. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll say that. I think, you know, for everybody who's watching, it, it's incredibly important um, to go out and get involved. Like Mallory said, there's lots of different ways. And uh, I would be remiss if I didn't rem mention the Young Republicans. Uh, young Republicans in North Carolina are awesome. And uh, it's a good group to get a part of if you are part of that, that demographic that you said is your highest listener base um, in your kind of mid-20s. Uh, great organization. Um, yes. And yeah, there's lots of ways that you can make a big impact because a lot of these races are very close and every vote counts. Yes. Well, thank you, Jesse, so much um, for coming on and talking with me and um, just the congratulations also too on the win. Because um, just a side note, everybody, this she said it, but I'm going to repeat it. Like it was a lot of grassroots as well. Like grassroots makes a huge difference. So thank you for your hard work. Thank you for coming on and talking with us. Um, and everyone listening, if you enjoy this episode, please make sure you like subscribe. And I think this is really a good episode to share with your friends who aren't that political, that want to become political or aren't really that political. And they're like, oh, I don't really care. Have them listen to a couple minutes of this and let them discuss it with you um but yeah so yeah, I mean, i'll say last thing i'll say too is we had a lot of young republican candidates who ran for office this year at the local and the house of delegates level i think north carolina is going to have a few uh next year as well uh, mm -hmm. so if you are interested potentially in ever running for office now is a good time to get involved because we're starting to see people under 40 step up across the country to run for office run for party leadership lots of other things and it's a great time to do that Yes. Yes. Seriously, too. This is the time. Um, and like I said, even like I was saying about um, coming in for your party 
coming in to serve your your district in your country or I guess your country that people are will be excited about that too because it is our time those of us I, I'm not gonna get on my soapbox about this but like those of us in our 20s and 30s like this is our time this is our country this is when we need to be stepping up but that's a whole other episode we can do later um anything else you want to add Jesse oh do pe- you want people to follow you on places Sure. Yeah. If anybody wants to follow me, I'm at just Jesse, J-E-S-S-I-G-O-P on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, you're welcome to uh, follow Jesse Rappel J. Blakely on Facebook as well. All right. Well, thank you again, Jesse. And everyone, thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks, Mel. Thank you for listening to Those Other Girls with Mallory and Bailey. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Head over to our website, thoseothergirls.com, to read our blogs and receive exclusive content. And connect with us on Instagram at Those Other Girls Podcast and on Twitter at TOG underscore podcast. Those Other Girls, changing culture and bringing back traditional values. <laughs>